Hi, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, September 21st. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the Arkansas Judicial and Disability Commission charging six members of the Arkansas Supreme Court with ethics violation, the Arkansas Department of, Envi- of Environmental Quality recommending the denial of a new permit for a controversial hog farm, and other odds and ends. I'm joined as usual by Max Brantley. Afternoon. So this was pretty big and surprising news with uh, AG, AJ uh, DC announcing the filing of formal charges of ethics violations against most of the Supreme Court justices, and the other one is still pending. Yeah, well, yes and no. I mean, it's an incredible slap in the face of the Arkansas Supreme Court. I mean, as a practical matter, it's going to probably set off just a big mess on jurisdictional problems and and that sort of thing and what happens next I don't know but but here's the deal as we know the the Supreme Court after Wendell Griffin had a death penalty protest the same day he decided a case about use of death penalty drugs uh, they reversed his order and uh, threw him off death penalty cases for all time in a in a very short period very few hours all these things happened well, he he uh, and, and they ordered an ethics investigation of him for having for demonstrating on the same day he tried a case. Uh, the ethics commission had earlier said, well, he probably presented an appearance of partiality by doing that and found him in violation of, of the ethics code. He's going to ask for a full trial of it. But he also complained about their ethics. He said he'd gotten no notice of the hearing at which he'd been removed from these cases. He should have. He suspected there'd been ex parte out-of-court communications between the Supreme Court and the Attorney General's office. Well, to, lo and behold, yesterday a panel of the Judicial Discipline Commission said that indeed uh, the court had not given Griffin proper notice. They sent him an email to his chambers over the weekend and then then took action against him Monday morning. They said it wasn't reasonable to think he'd see his office email over the weekend. And they said he hadn't been given a chance to respond. Uh, The Supreme Court thinks that that he was given notice, first of all. It was delivered, I think, early Monday morning maybe. And they also think that this that they don't have jurisdiction. The judicial discipline committee does in, in finding the the Supreme Court in error in this. I think the court is going to argue that this wasn't really an ethics consideration. That if Griff if they made an error, it's something that could be corrected by him appealing to the court, which he didn't do, and say he didn't get due process. Appealing to the Supreme Court to the Supreme Court on, on not getting due process on his removal. Instead, he sued them in federal court. I think that's going to be what their their argument's going to be. And surely the Supreme Court admits its own error all the time. Right. Well, they, of course they wouldn't have. And they they just, and I think they, they absolutely think – I think they were absolutely wrong. And as the judicial discipline opinion said, the, the Supreme Court precedent, the law of the land, says that judges must be presumed to be impartial. And just because they have personal beliefs that might run counter to cases they hear – they can't just be presumed to have been unfair in deciding them as here. And in fact, another judge took the same facts and ruled exactly as Griffin did. I, I have said before it would be better good judgment of him not to be so public about his beliefs, certainly at the same time he's deciding related cases, but I think he has a right to do it. Supreme Court of Arkansas clearly doesn't believe that, and they're going to stand firm. The question is now is, will the Supreme Court acknowledge this at all? Or will they say, screw you, we don't answer to you on this kind of thing? Or or it, will they 
seek to have the thing struck down, which means I'd have to be an entire separate special Supreme Court to hear it. I should add, the complaint only named six of the seven justices. One, Sean Womack, was left out. I, I, I have been informed that this is because he did not uh, get proper notice of Griffin's complaint initially. It was sent to the wrong email address, and so he asked for more time to respond, and so he has until the end of this month to respond, and he'll be found, along with the rest of them, to have participated in this unethical act. But it's just, you know, it's just, it, none of this is good for the court. They all just look bad. I mean, and, and I should say that the punishment for violating these ethical rules run from a letter of caution up to removal from office. Nobody's going to be removed from office over this right. on, on either side of this complaint. So remind us, where does Griffin's federal complaint against the judges? Uh, it was been, it's been dismissed, but he's going to attempt to appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, where I think his odds are not good at being hurt. Right. Okay. And meanwhile, uh, State Senator Trent Garner still wants to impeach. No, he had a hearing talking about setting up impeachment rules in the Senate. You know, he's mad to get Griffin, although there's some senators that have other judges they're not happy with. Uh, 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 Patty James in Pulaski County has upset some of them with her policies on child custody and placement with families. But but it, once again... You know, they got an interesting presentation, actually, from the Bureau of Legislative Research, and impeachment hasn't been used in Arkansas since the 19th century. It's it's really, and it really is reserved for high crimes and misdemeanors, which is not for being an opponent of the death penalty or, or deciding a case wrongly. And, and we know in this case, I mean, Griffin, at least in the view of another judge, decided this case properly. And the fact that he should be impeached because it makes Trent Garner mad, I mean, it shows you what a crappy law schools we have in Arkansas if they graduated Trent Garner. Yeah. Maybe they could have impeached Justin Harris, for example. That might have They, they could have impeached him. They, they took no action against uh, a judge who was uh, a perverted judge who was trading sex for acquittals. They never moved against him. They had a judge who was shacking up in a hotel with a meth whore. They didn't do anything about him, and they're going to take off Wendell Griffin because – he practiced his religion and said, uh, Jesus said, thou shalt not kill, and he meant it in all cases. I mean, I thought we had religious freedom in Arkansas. Apparently right. not in Trent Garner's part of the state. Moving on, uh, another big big news of the week, maybe the biggest, the ADQ recommended a denial of a new permit for discharge of waste by the C&H hog farm in Newton County. Well, this is kind of a just a, a mind-numbingly complex situation, but I guess the shortest place to say where we are is is that the hog farm in Newton County is in the position of asking for a permit to discharge liquid waste, both in storage ponds and to spread the stuff on fields. And after a long review, the scientists at the Department of Environmental Quality say that the underlying geology is too dangerous, this karst limestone that stuff can percolate through there and reach the groundwater. And that furthermore, and this to me really Well, is, and we should say, I imagine a lot of our listeners have been following, following along uh, this for the last five or six years, but this is in the, the Buffalo National River um, watershed. Right. That and, it feeds and, into Big Right, Creek. and where I was going to get is they're applying a lot of this hog waste on fields where it runs off into the waterways, including Big Creek, which is one of the biggest tributaries of the Buffalo National River, which is a national treasure. 
Well, and what and the buffalo is clogged with algae growth. And what the Department of Environmental Quality scientists seem to be saying is that the hog farm is the biggest single contributor to the buildup of nutrients, that is phosphorus and nitrogen, that promotes this algae growth. This is really significant news. Uh, the Farm Bureau, which is financing the fight against the environmentalists in this, have said, oh, it's canoeists peeing in the river that's causing the algae. Well, that's garbage. It's nonsense. There, there's the equivalent of a town of 25,000 people shitting into the watershed from the hog farm every day, and, that's, that, and, and shit rolls downhill. That's where this is coming from. Well, but there's now going to be a, a public hearing process on these proposed findings. There'll be a huge outcry from the farming community. And, and part of this is if you can stop one farm, you, they might be able to stop other farms. And so that's why the Farm Bureau is in this so big. And then after a decision, if the this is upheld in the department level, it can still be appealed to the, to the Pollution Control and Ecology Commission, which is heavily weighted in favor of industry. Although it also has some gubernatorial influence in Hutchinson, Asa Hutchinson has shown some unhappiness about or some desire to protect the buffalo because it is so popular, even among some Republicans. Well, and and the PCNE earlier recommended that they not get a different permit. Well, although that was a permit, they just weren't. They they recommended that it not be extended, but that was a type of permit. It's more that, of a technical that really didn't fit what they need. It was a general permit, not a wastewater. And as I sure. say, this is crazy stuff. And then if, if the committee goes against them, well, then they could sue and say that they've been arbitrary. And I mean, we're, we're not near the end of this. I know you've talked to some of the players involved in this. What do they think the timeline is? They don't, I, you know, nobody really knows. I mean, I, a year, maybe two years. I, I mean, if you start talking court cases, I mean, you know, I think everybody really wishes they would fold their tent and, and, and go away and say this is a battle best fought somewhere else but there's just no sign that the farm bureau plans to do that i think it's worth remembering that this farm is is operating it's it's growing pigs that are supplied by the world's biggest protein conglomerate it's like based in brazil i think i mean so there, there, this isn't just some little this isn't a deal about some little scrappy hog farmer in newton county there's huge money behind this so we got a call today from somebody associated with somebody who's underwriting the note on the on the property and you know it's big money there's a i mean just a big stakes because again what happens there rolls downhill it it might it might become a, a precedent for other farming operations well this is very anecdotal but i i went to the buffalo last week on my way somewhere else and it was gross it's nasty I did not let my kids get in it you know, now, now I think it is fair to say you can't blame all of that on CNH Hog Farm. There are other farming operations in the upper reaches of the tributaries, chicken farms, dairy farms, that sort of thing. It ain't the canoeists. But you put them all together, and the hog farm is just, just an awful lot. I mean, they, they really tracked an overload of nutrients from the hog farm. Okay. Well, uh, aside from those stories, it was somewhat of a slow week. So let's just sort of talk about some odds and ends. Um, how about them hogs? <laughs> well, I, you know, it was really kind of embarrassing today. The New York Times 
wrote a story featuring the Hogs on on the notion that some teams have made moves to different conferences just to make money, and they've been successful at making money, but not so successful at football. And the and the poster child for this was the Razorbacks. The headline seemed to say maybe Arkansas just didn't up to playing in the SEC. Certainly this year, that seems pretty hard to, to argue with that. Pretty fair assessment this year, you know. So after getting beat forty-four to seventeen no, by North Auburn, Texas, this, I mean, I, it's hard to imagine after what happened last week against North Texas. Although the, North Texas arguably is better than people might think they are. Sure, uh, it's hard to see Arkansas winning more than two games this year, and I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt on that on that second one. Yeah. So I, I don't, you know, I, what you know, and here's the thing too is, oh, you know, the hog fans are eternal. Most of them is, oh, well, when Chad Morris gets his players in, that, but, you know, I mean, were the players that bad? Why were we playing Bielema for me in years if he was recruiting such sorry players? I, you know, and and I don't know. And this guy's supposed to be a coaching genius. Shouldn't he figure something out to work with what he's got? I don't know. Anyway. I mean, we ain't paying $4 million for a 1-11 season, that's for sure. How's that stadium expansion looking? You know, it's looking pretty empty. I think they had about 40,000 people in there last Saturday. I saw David Pryor Sunday, who was one of the few opponents on the Board of Trustees, the expansion, and I said, well, David Pryor was right. He said, I assume you're talking about the football stadium. I said, yeah. He said, a lot of people have been saying that lately. <laughs> You know, and as somebody pointed out, though, I mean, you know, the amount of money that comes in from the SEC TV contract, I mean, it doesn't matter they fill the thing or not. Sure. If if Auburn, if if things go as they're going, though, the crowd at the Little Rock game for Ole Miss going to be small. Yeah, I mean, they'll probably be the same amount of tailgaters, but people just stay at their tailgate. They stay at the tailgate, yeah. The mayor's race is getting kind of interesting. Yeah, it's people love your story about Frank. Scott. Oh, they did? Yeah, okay. just wild, wild. Well, Frank Scott is just a wonderfully likable person. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a good story. And he's it's... got a good story, good personality. I, I, don't, I don't hear from him personally the kind of specifics and that I think I want. But, but, I mean, he's undeniably an appealing candidate. Yeah, you know, I didn't get into this in the story, but to some degree, I think he has made a strategic decision to not get into specifics oh, so I th- much. I think that's a great observation. That he's going to focus on his story and his... Just feel good. Yeah. and I, I think that's a great observation. I think you're right. I haven't really thought about it until you said it, but I think that's exactly right. However, he said one thing that gives me pause, and that is he wants to expand after-school programs and summer programs for kids. And that is a program that I think anybody who's closely familiar with the city operation thinks is already wasting a lot of money. It's a ward healing program. It's well-intentioned, but what it does is it puts money in the hands of church preachers and and what have you that run these nominal programs that, that haven't, to my view, demonstrated they've delivered very much. And he's talking about doing more of it. And and there is in his, I mean he is very faith oriented and talks very openly about how faith oriented he is and 
I'm just not ready to farm out government to churches. I mean, I'm just not. I'm just. I mean, well, that, he, that, that happens to not work very well for me. To be fair, he hasn't said that's what he's going to do. That's just your fear that that there well, will be religion. I've seen him give one speech where he cited one of the programs at one of the churches. The kind of thing we got to do more of. Uh, I think. I think to some degree, it's a way for him to talk about specific things that the city can do with regard to education, since that's such a big topic. Aside from just being yeah, and a I vocal think, leader, and I think our city programs have failed, and I think I think supporting education is important, but uh, I, I don't think the city running after school programs has proved to be much of a panacea. So, where do you see the race now? Everybody asked that question. I was, at the, at, I was at the Clinton Center Sunday night, and Jesse Mason, who's the former city director on the airport commission, so asked me that same question. And, and you know, I, I tell everybody the same thing. is I just don't know. I, I, I mean, it, actually, what you've said about Frank makes me rethink what had been my bottom line base assessment, which was I didn't think he was getting traction with his campaign. And I felt like, at the moment, that it seemed more like a race between Warwick Saban and Baker Curris. But you may be right. Maybe there's, I mean, he is going to have a racially identifiable vote in the black community. And I don't say that in a bad way. That's just how we vote. And they're a significant part of the voter base. I think there will be a runoff. The question is which two, you know, and, and, and the dynamics of the runoff could be dramatically different being who they are. I, I was interested to see Baker Curse's first TV ad. It was all about the work he'd done on the schools and said, I'm a business guy. I got in there. I balanced the budget. I did this. It's a good ad. It's a good, strong ad. Whether anybody cares about Little Rock schools anymore is, is another question. Interesting support for Baker Curse emerging. Uh, I had dinner trios this week, Cappy Peck, city director. I mean, she is for him big time. And also for him big time as somebody who couldn't be more politically different, Lance Hines, the city director from West Little Rock, who's Republican through and through. That's a fairly strong combination. On the other hand, all over you see signs of Warwick Saban's early entry in the race and the politic, and he did across a broad spectrum, but particularly in the Hillcrest liberal zone where he lives so i just don't know i mean it's i haven't heard of any polling in this race i think it's a hard race to poll too for for one thing because who turns out and who votes may have a lot to say about how it finally ends up and do you know when when uh campaign finance reports are due it's not till near the election no it's not till i meant to go online today and check that very thing because clearly people are raising a lot of money well i I wonder if that's just what it's going to come down to, and you've got to give the edge and money to Warwick based on his early haul. Although I think Baker knows a lot of people with money. And Lisa Ann Rockefeller raised money for Frank Scott. Right, yeah. Well, So, or at least offered her house up for a fundraiser. And Frank Scott went to Washington this week where he plugged into a group of very well-known black people, some of them former Arkies, and they threw a big money raiser among the, the 14th Street lobby crowd for Frank Scott this week in Washington. Huh. So I, he, he not, and he's a banker. I mean, and he came from the Highway Commission and is down the line with the Highway Commission's wishes, and they give money. The Dickinsons and the McGeorges, they, they give a lot of dough. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd, like, you'd 
you'd have to think that all three of those are well, going to have plenty of money. I don't think anyone's going to lack money. But it's how you spend it. and uh, It's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, as we tape, uh, Vice President Pence is either giving or about to give a speech. At what time is it? He's just about to arrive, I think. Um, f- for a French Hill rally. You checked in earlier to a live feed and weren't that many folks Boy, there. a pretty pitiful crowd. The city had said they were expecting 1,200 and it didn't look like half of that to me. KTV ran a span, scanned the room with their camera while they were playing the national anthem. And it was all white folks and not that many of them. And it was now Trump would have drawn more. Uh, but that's, I don't know, maybe more people came late. I'm not sure. Uh, of course, as, as we've reported there, they were carefully checking who applied to go and denied admission to some people they identified as Democrats, Gwen Combs and uh, Maureen Skinner. Uh, they wouldn't allow Arkansas Times photographers or reporters to attend. They uh, they select their audiences very carefully, which in a campaign setting, you can do this. This follows Tom Cotton's pattern of blocking the Times and Mike Huckabee's blocking of the Times from political events. Unfortunately, they start verging into First Amendment territory when their taxpayer press offices don't provide services, routine news releases or anything. But in any event, it's... Uh, as I said, when I saw the speakers list for this thing with Leslie Rutledge leading the Pledge of Allegiance and remarks from Asa and remarks from Muskie Harris and remarks from uh, Tim Griffin, I thought maybe it's better to be banned. And Mike Pence, give me a break. Oh, Jesus. So, so I- uh, any any read on that race? There, there was a poll a couple weeks ago. That- well, there was a poll that showed a hill ahead. I I, I thought the po- the poll was crazy. It was only a four hundred person sample, five point seven percent margin of error. It showed it showed a hill ahead in Pulaski County and Tucker ahead in Faulkner County. Both of those are nuts. I mean, Tucker's going to carry Pulaski. Hill's going to carry Faulkner County. The questions of the margins in both of them. So I'm not putting a whole lot of stock. My apologies to Jay Barth of Hendricks, who's uh, who did the poll, but I, I that's just that I don't know what that means. Hard to say though. I, I mean, I, here's the deal: is is there anything like a blue wave in the second district? Maybe a little bit in Pulaski County. Are there some suburban voters who are so disgusted by Trump and 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 French Hill is down the line supporting Trump? He didn't want him to come to town though. He took Pence instead. And by my way of thinking, Pence is more disgusting. I just don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I mean, turnout is going to be everything, and uh, French Hill has made some moves that are designed to depress black turnout for Tucker. I mean, he's associated with himself with a few black figures that, in ways that are meant to make him look not so detrimental to black causes, which he still is, of course, by his votes. And so, I, I don't know, and he's got all the money in the world, and Tom Cotton is spending his pack money to slam Tucker with this, these crazy anti-immigrant ads and, you know, blaming Clark Tucker for murders in San Francisco or something, just crazy stuff. So I just don't know, and I, I'm afraid Arkansas, if we trail in everything, as, as we always do, we're on the back edge of everything, well, we're, we're just now on the front edge of turning Republican, which suggests to me that they're not ready to be worn out on it yet. I mean, we may still be in just a 60% reflective uh, Republican vote stage, and that's just how it is. Just don't, just don't know. But Clark is—he's working hard. I, he's had a shakeup in his campaign, by the way. And I mean, I, I and I and I've noticed this week that he's getting tougher. He's taking a more directed uh, approach toward Hill, which 
everybody I know thinks is what he should have done a long time ago. But, you know, I, I think he's true to himself. I think he's a nice guy and collaborative and not prone to be an attack-type politician. And, and so, anyway, we'll see. Uh, finally, the the big story of the week, of course, the uh, Brett Kavanaugh confirmation confirmation hearings and the uh, Blasey Ford um, accusation of sexual assault. Tom Co- Tom Cotton, for one, believes Brett Kavanaugh. He, of course, he does. I mean, because this is pure tribalism. Interestingly enough, he's really the only Arkansas congressman who stood up and said anything. But he just believes Kavanaugh, and that's the the male Republican way, which is. If a woman says something, your first reaction is the disbeliever. Uh, I think with women, that's not a good approach. And, and, and I, I think it's awfully pers- – Here, here's the thing. I mean, obviously, I don't know the truth of this. I'm not an admirer of Kavanaugh. I think he's been dishonest on many other issues, uh, torture tactics, judicial nominations, Alex Kaczynski, important issues that he's been disingenuous on. So I'm not inclined to find him to be an honest person anyway. He behaved execrably during the Whitewater investigation as an aide to Kenneth Starr. He did horrible things to Vince Foster's family, wrote these scandalous reports about the Monica Lewinsky affair. I mean, the the guy is, is not the little choir boy that a lot of people think he is. He was in a prep school setting, defended initially by a friend quoted widely who apparently is just a total piece of trash, a drunk, a reformed drunk now, but who did, who's a homophobe and, and believes women should be beat on like gongs and just this Mark, what's his name guy, Mark Judge. So there are a lot of reasons why I'm not prone to leap to his defense to begin with, but we're still left with the thing of, I mean, I absolutely believe Christine Blasey Ford believes what she's saying is the truth, if that makes sense. I mean, I, I, I don't, why would you make this up? Why would you ask for the FBI to investigate you? Why would you put your family through this? If you, now, saying I believe she believes it is not necessarily saying it happened and she said it happened, but I absolutely believe she thinks she's telling the truth. And maybe, maybe Brett Kavanaugh believes it too. You know, her account is is that Kavanaugh and Mark Judge were blind, staggering drunk, that that's why she was able to get away. And, in fact, there's a lot of contemporaneous evidence that Brett Kavanaugh did get blind, staggering drunk a lot when he was in high school, president of the keg club, the Beach Ralph party, that sort of thing. And so maybe maybe something happened that he doesn't remember. I mean, maybe maybe there's room for that to be so. Or... More likely, one friend of mine said, is is perhaps he remembers something and was so mortified by it and said, I'm just not going to ever do anything like It was horrible. I'll never do anything like this again. Anyway, none of, none of that we know, but and I don't think we're going to ever know. And so I think in the end, uh, they both will testify to some degree next week, and the Republicans will then vote him in, and he'll carry this mark. Though, you know, we're at a much different time in the country than – when Anita Hill and, and Clarence Thomas were dueling, if if Blasey Ford gives really compelling testimony, it's going to be hard for it, some it, of those it, I, moderate I think, Republicans. I do think how she carries herself is going to be critical. And there there are some who think on the Republican side, based on writers who I think have good sources, who are already wish they would take him down. Yeah. Because there's already been enough damage done. 
you know, they're going to question her using a woman lawyer brought in from the outside so it won't be a bunch of white men. or That's, that's what they want to do if she agrees to do it that way. She doesn't want it that way because it'll be like a trial. Uh, I, you know, it's just, it's already a mess, really. I, I think there are a lot of people, even on the Republican side, who think the best course, he wasn't high on the list to begin with. They had some other even more conservative picks that would have been even safer than Kavanaugh from their point of view. But part of the reason not to pull down is that maybe they can't get the job done if by some miracle the Democrats took the Senate. Uh, that's that's more wishful thinking than I can endorse. But Sure. Well, speaking of that, let's move on to endorsements. Do you have anything this week? Well, I, yeah, in a kind of odd way. Uh, we went to, I hadn't been to Memphis in years, and I drove over there to get my global security, uh, global entry endorsement on my passport, which you had to go to the Memphis airport to do. Which, by the way, if you ever get a chance, go to the Memphis airport. It's not a hub anymore. It's virtually empty. And so it's very quiet. There's nobody in there, and they're playing Stax Volt music nonstop. <laughs> Sam and Dave, Rufus and Carla, Otis. It's just fabulous. Just sit, I sat in there for two hours listening to old uh, Memphis R&B and Steve Cropper. So it was, it was great. But uh, before we went there, we, went, we drove around a little bit. And Memphis, you know, Memphis has some nice areas that uh, are not too bad. I mean, it's kind of not – there's some sort of happening little neighborhoods – Went back to Overton Square, which I guess had fallen on hard times and is now being revived again. But there's a place there, a new joint there called Hop Dottie's Burger Bar. And it's and it's apparently a mini Memphis chain. There are three or four in Memphis, but it's sort of a high techy looking greasy burger joint and uh and uh, craft beer place. I mean beer and brew is the deal. And the burgers are fabulous. I mean, they're drippy, greasy, incredible. And they make fries right. Nobody in French in Little Rock fries a French fry right. Nobody does. And they served a big bowl of crisp double fried fries with a greasy burger. And the good news about the craft beer is, is their beer, they must have 60 of them. I don't know how many they pour. But one of them is Gold Crest 51, which is an old Memphis local beer that's been reborn. And it's just beer. Right. So that Goldcrest always comes to our craft beer festival. Yeah, and so it's and it's just beer. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you, you can make an appearance at the craft beer festival and I, only I, drink I would, Goldcrest. I would endorse Goldcrest Fifty One. Uh, I want to endorse um, the article that appeared in the New York Times Magazine by Matthew Desmond last week called "Americans Want to Believe Jobs Are the Solution to Poverty." They're not. I. I think Desmond is is a really great reporter. He's a, actually a sociologist at Princeton, um, but he's written quite a bit for the New York Times since his uh, landmark study on housing uh, eviction came out and won the Pulitzer Prize. Also highly recommend that. Um, so this article goes through and, and debunks the popular notion that that is, you know, uh, Republicans are so enthralled to, especially in Arkansas, that all public welfare programs should have work requirements to them because, of course, able-bodied people should work. But turns out most able-bodied people are working. They mostly are working. Um, and he, he just has a devastating personal account of uh, a woman who's a home health aide who has three children who is – essentially homeless she occasionally lives with uh with a father but she takes her kids 
you know, to a, a, a hotel. Sometimes they live in a, in a uh, station wagon. She's working every day. She works, you know, 30 plus hours and taking care of her three kids and barely surviving. I, it, I wish that every Republican who's making these these decisions would read it, not that, that facts Well, they don't, are, they don't have a clue. I mean, they, they have an image that they won't shake that there are people out there with their iPhones and their SUVs and living off, you know, living off Uncle Sam. It's just not true. I mean, it's horrifying. Lower School District has all kinds of homeless families. Kids come to school from cars. Yeah. Or, or wherever. No, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm on the PTA at my school, and the last meeting they were talking about we need more backpacks for kids to send food home. You know, they're food insecure, too. There's... But if they just work harder. Yeah. Well. Child labor, that's the solution. Put those eight-year-olds to work somewhere. Since the 70s, there's a stat, American productivity has increased 77%. Hourly pay has grown 12%. So, I mean, the people at the bottom, who cares if the Dow is at an all-time high? It just doesn't make a will. Oh, no, the rich are getting richer. No, the, the, there's been a huge growth in, in investment, but it's all in the top 5% or less. Yeah. All right, well, we'll leave you with that. See you next time. Subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcast. Woo pig. See you next time.